Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We're excited again to have you join us to talk a little bit more about, uh, I guess, pulling the veil back between clients and therapists as though, you know, when you see a therapist, it's kind of like, who is this person and <laughs> where do they exist? They clearly only exist in this room, you know, <laughs> like the school teacher who doesn't exist in the grocery store until you see them there. And then it's weird, <laughs> as you always say. <laughs> yeah, um, you say that. We, we want to talk about uh, an interesting topic today that is, um, I'm going to start with kind of a, an imaginary experience. I mean, it's really, you've probably had this experience if you've gone to therapy before. But you walk into the room and you sit down and you talk, you start sharing your story or, or just even a little bit about like, here's what's been going on. I've got this issue that I'm wanting to work on. And then you so you put that on the table and then you look at your therapist and you're wondering, does this person even have any idea what I'm talking about? Have you experienced this at all or have you worked with it? Do you know anything about it? So then what we want to talk about today is uh, what if your therapist does have a shared experience? Like if you're, for example, talking about, um, yeah, I was in a car accident, you know, it was terrifying or whatever. And your therapist is like, oh, yeah, I was in a life threatening car accident, too. All of a sudden, like that changes things for you. Uh, we're going to talk about that can can make things good or bad. Or what if on the other side you come in and you say, um, oh, yeah, I've been having, you know, this um you know, these hallucinations in these crazy dreams or something. And your therapist is like, yeah, I've never had that. I don't know what that's about at all. <laughs> Cause that's what therapists do. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. Anyway, tell me more about it. Let me help you. <laughs> Can that person even help you if they have no idea in their own experience, what that's like. So to get us started, um, let's go down the, the pathway pathway. Number one of <laughs> You share something like you've got some trauma or some, you know, experience, some personal experience, and your therapist says, oh, yeah, I've got something that's been similar to that, or I've experienced that same thing. Can that therapist even help you? Is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing that they've got that that similar experience? Yeah, I think, you know, more almost more specifically, I could relate to that with inside of trauma. A lot of times what can happen is this overwhelming feeling of panic. And people that suffer from panic attacks will oftentimes that particular people group feel like if you've never had a panic attack, you freaking don't get it, bro. I do not want to have this ever again. I will do whatever it takes. It's not like, are you stressed, bro? It's like, no, that's not even close to what that feels like. <laughs> right. You're going to die is what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And then you look around and you're not. There's no nothing that leads to actually death around you. It's very confusing. So there's another la layer to that where I feel like, because uh, I've, I've worked, I have some clients with panic disorder, which is different than simply having a panic attack or trauma. I have not had a panic attack. I have had what I would call an anxiety attack, which is basically a super low level flood of like adrenaline that's not compared to like somebody having a panic attack. Um, I've actually 
had these conversations with a couple of different clients because on the one hand, they do feel very alone. I mean, that particular mm-hmm. thing is like it's it's very isolating and lonely because because you're totally going to die by yourself and you look around and everybody else around you is like perfectly normal and you're the fear is that they're looking at you like what's wrong with you because it's like we're just at a park here you know kids are playing everyone's happy but you're like having a panic attack so what's wrong like that's it's very like what's wrong with me i'm so different i'm an outsider everybody else seems like they've got it together whatever like that can feel very isolating and you don't want to say anything you don't want to mention anything, but now you're being slowly overtaken by all these, all this chemistry. And there's a point at which you feel like you're going to have to reach out because, because the other fear comes in is that you actually are going to die. Like this is real. Um, and now you're afraid you will. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't make sense, but it, but you start to actually lose that knowledge. And yeah. And it can become real enough that I, many people actually go to the emergency room and they start having you know, running tests and um, feeling like there's something wrong with their heart or there's some medical issue going on. I mean, it, it becomes very, very real. Right. So if you, as a therapist, have not experienced it, it's it can be it can feel weird as the clients like um, basically making them feel crazy again. Like now <laughs> they're trying to explain it. And the more that they explain it, the more weird they feel. Um, I one person more recently um, go into the emergency room actually and then that's where they got educated that oh this was a panic attack because they can actually tell whether or not it was a heart attack or not by looking at some anyway doing testing then he felt dumb yeah. right it's humiliating yeah totally <laughs> like no bro you're fine get the doctors out doctors are like hmm have you talked with a counselor before <laughs> have you ever wondered if you have anxiety and they're like oh great this is humiliating <laughs> right not not to joke about it but i mean it's it's I mean, it's funny in a certain way, but it's also like the experience is like, you know, oh, this is like my worst nightmare. I really wanted to find out something is wrong. Yes, I knew it. And instead, it's the exact opposite. It's like my worst fear come true. <laughs> yeah, they um, the folks that struggle with that, like, I guess to speak to it a little bit more from our topic of like, can a therapist help you if you ne- if the therapist has never experienced it? Well, yeah, because what they're focused on is trying to understand your experience. And the other piece of that pie is, is that they, so let me give let me break it down a little bit. There are several reasons if we take panic specifically that that could be happening, right? So on the one hand, it could be physiological, something that's just quite frankly random. You know, it's, it's more rare that that occurs, but it can. And as therapists, we don't fix that. Um, it could, and it could be that it's a buildup of life stress that you are not acknowledging as a human. That is what us therapists try to figure out all the time. So do we have to have a panic attack to know how much life stress that you have? No, but we need to hear about your life. And then that panic will make, uh, well, the attack, so to speak, will make more sense based on the amount of stress that that therapist is assessing. So in that way, no, they haven't had a panic attack, but they know what stress is. Yeah, so in in keeping with our, our first pathway here of if you have experienced it, I think what you're saying is inside of that, when we're understanding life, we're understanding what's been going on, the stress that you're having, the specific experience of the panic attack, that like isolating, um, you know, death, what would it be? This absolutely terrifying experience of like, no, I'm actually going to die to the point where I'm like thinking about what do I do with my kids or 
what like what, what do I tell my family members you know like I'm dying so I need to like get some things in order or I need to quickly like say goodbye like if you have that experience where you really genuinely believe you're going to die your mind starts going to these places and so if you've had if you've had that experience you can relate you can connect in and that can do several things it can normalize it um, and by the way, these are things that therapists are trying to do all the time. Um, it, with this specific, it's a certain way of doing that, I guess, when you've had that experience. But when you've, when you've experienced it yourself, you can normalize it and say, yeah, I've had that before, and I understand what that's about, and you're not the only one that experiences it. Actually, a lot of people do. So if even a therapist, for example, has had that experience um, and even been able to overcome it, that can feel really good. It's like, oh, you get it. It's like, I don't have to explain it as much. It still is helpful for you as a client to explain it because each person's experience is different, but it can feel great like, oh, you get it. And so we can just sort of reference this thing that we both know about. And then also, if you've been able to overcome it, it can feel really good like, oh, so there's hope or you know how to navigate through it because I feel like I'm just completely stuck in it. And when you're saying, yeah, I felt the same way and I was stuck too and I was able to work out of it or whatever, that's also really hopeful. So it, you can feel really validating and normalizing and at the same time give you a lot of hope. So on the other side of the coin, Aaron, um, so somebody, a therapist has had a panic attack before. And let's say that um, what would be, a, I, well, I guess I'm asking you, what would be a situation that you'd be like, well, that's probably not the best situation if, for the therapist, meaning like they have the, they had panic, right? And it that situation is not helpful to the client because who's had panic. Right. So if you've had the experience, but maybe sharing the experience um, isn't helpful, there's a couple of things. Like if it's, if it's too recent or if it's too close, for example, I have uh, a supervisee that was, uh, I was meeting with her and she was saying, Oh yeah, I just had a, an argument with my spouse last night. And so that's why I didn't sleep so well or whatever. And so we talked about that a little bit and how this was affecting her and just kind of getting her prepared for her day of clients. So if if she didn't resolve that inside of herself, this argument with her spouse, um, she could go into the session um, like a, maybe a couples counseling session who's who's having an argument and she hasn't really resolved that within herself that even though she can relate to the experience of having an argument being disconnected, frustrated, hurt, angry, whatever she might actually be bringing some of that unresolved stuff to the session and and inadvertently identify with one of the people like, um, you know, the person who's kind of in the same situation as her because she's not quite there yet. Um, so if it's something that's too recent in terms of time or too close, meaning I haven't really resolved it all the way, like in this example, maybe there's an argument, like an ongoing sort of an argument that's been happening. And if I haven't really resolved what that means or the impacts in myself, I still have hurt or anger or resentment that can be quickly come up for us as therapists and kind of cloud our vision or cloud our ability to see things very objectively because we still have some of our own feelings about it. And that's not to say that we never feel anything, but we need to be able to, you know, put those feelings to the side and objectively be able to help you, the client. So I guess I would say, you know, if it's something that is still has a charge, um, I haven't really fully worked through it and gotten to a stable place with it. I, as, if I'm a therapist, I shouldn't bring it up because it's it's going to be more about what my experience is and less about you as a client. Yeah. So in the panic example, it would be you've had the panic attack as a therapist. You um, maybe it was like 
a month ago. You really have never talked about it. You you know that it probably has something to do with life stress. And you kind of just are hoping it never happens again because <laughs> right. you know, it was terrifying and you don't even want to think about it. And then the client comes in with like, so I just had a panic attack. And you're like, yeah, let's not talk about that. Then you do, yeah, what my 13-year-old does when he, like, misses a free throw. He's like, we don't talk about it. I'm like, oh, what happened? He's like, we don't talk about it. <laughs> so so that would be a situation in which, like, I, I, we're trying to kind of paint a picture here of the the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of shared experience in the therapeutic uh, environment um, because we're human and it's it's real. And so I think I, I think another example, um, actually... Um, I've, I've worked before with people who, for example, have hallucinations and I have never had a hallucination. Um, thank God it would be terrifying. How do you know you're not having one right now? (laughs) Am I even real? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) but that's, that is what I've learned. What I've learned is that there are hallucinations that people have that are, kind of obviously hallucinations like this one person told me of seeing um there were spiders all over i cannot imagine this right this yeah, is terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying and if you have uh, arachnophobia out there just please skip ahead like 30 seconds <laughs> right yeah we'll try not to mention a whole host of spiders again for another like 35 seconds <laughs> right but the difference with them was is they were like translucent transparent kind of which are not that's obviously not real right so Um, the person's able to kind of like tune it out. On the other hand, there are um, auditory hallucinations sometimes that seem exactly real, like, and some visual ones, depending on how it goes, that there's no way to discern the difference. Like, it's it's like, it's like right now I'd be hearing Nathan's voice. And I'm like, did you just say this? And he's like, no, I was just on my phone, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I literally heard your voice. Right. And I, but I would say in, in our, in our examples here that, you probably don't want to be with a therapist that that is actively hallucinating. <laughs> Why is that, Nathan? What are some potential downsides of that? <laughs> I know, right? But if if a, there are, um, for example, if you take the the diagnosis of schizophrenia, the majority of schizophrenics out there are actually pretty low level. Like um, what you think of, even when I mention that disorder you probably only thought about 8% of the population that has schizophrenia. Yeah, that's like the Russell Crowe version from... Uh, what a that, Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind, yeah, right. Yeah, it, that's not... Like, there are actually several... Um, I think the provost of Michigan, I think it is, University of Michigan, I want to say. I don't know if this is... Um, he, ha- he has schizophrenia. And you just get medicated, and then you can... Ma- mostly, you can manage it. Um, sometimes there's bad times, but... If you have a per, if you have that disorder, so as a therapist, if you were, if you did have schizophrenia and it was well managed, you could do just fine, and you probably would. If if another schizophrenic person came in, you would probably understand that a lot better and be able to empathize in situations where I could not. And um, and you also, I would hope, would know that when things are not going well, that you probably would just. Like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and exit therapy for a week, take a week off or take a day off or whatever. Yeah, that's I guess maybe just on the other side. I mean, I know we're on kind of path B here of like when you haven't had the experience, but you're, I think you're just bringing up another little thing for when you have had the experience. I think you can pick up on the nuances of that quite a bit easier. Like 
bipolar would be another one of those things. If you have bipolar and it's managed, let's say you've got um, bipolar 2 disorder, which is a, a lower level um, version as compared with bipolar 1, which is kind of your typical, you know, when everyone's like, wow, this person was like really, really depressed and now they're like wild and crazy, like they're bipolar, you know, that's like bipolar 1. If, you've, if you have suffered from that, you will much more easily notice the nuances of when somebody might be up or when they might be down or when they might be transitioning or whatever. Those kinds of things can be helpful. They're not necessary, I think, when you're working with a therapist for somebody to know those things. Because I've worked with people who've had those kinds of issues, and the more experience you have with it, actually, the more you just learn the nuances of it, even though I've, that has not been my experience. So anyway, back to the other side. When you have not had those experiences, in some ways, it can give you a lot of objective perspective. That natural curiosity that that feels to you like as a client that might separate you from the client or from the therapist. We're like, oh, you don't understand. Actually, that distance and that objectivity can be really helpful because you just have a natural curiosity and you're you're really wanting to look for and absorb all kinds of things where people who have already had that experience might take things at face value and say, oh, I already get it. Right, right. Well, then that's what I was going to, that's what I was thinking as you were saying that, Aaron, is that your therapist cares about you. So one thing I've learned in, as I'm caring for people is I'm asking these questions from a place of curiosity and they're answering, realizing they've never actually thought about that question. So they're they're going like, oh, that's, I've not, I never really have described that before. So I guess it's more like, and then they start to realize in the moment, like there's a depth to it or whatever is going on. And the other thing in the re very real other example I was giving about uh, hallucinations and that kind of thing, I feel like I kind of understand now to, so to the extent where I'm asking different questions. Like um, the person comes in, I can tell because I know them, like what's going on in the moment. And I will ask questions like right now, are you having any hallucinations? Is anything happening? And sometimes they might say, um, I don't know, could be, you know, <laughs> like, um, and sometimes be like, yep, you know, like there's some obvious stuff that can be there. But if I didn't know, first of all, if I didn't know the person, but like, if I didn't know anything about uh, what was going on in that way, um, I like what they would look like. And, you know, there's varying degrees, for example, then I wouldn't know to ask the question. Here's the other thing, too, that I learned is that um, in particular with hallucinations, um, if they are more vibrant and real, then probably things are worse. Like lower level hallucinations are kind of obviously like hallucinations. Yeah, that might be like an annoying and inconvenient in some ways, but they're not as disruptive. Right. And so I didn't know that before, you know, and and I even even the process of trying to understand that the person has also learned like the their gradient kind of mm -hmm. the, the the variation of it, that yeah, yeah. so it, it, that's been that's been one of those things that's helpful but yes i don't have I, I thank god don't have anything like that going on and i think that's a great point um as we as we kind of take a turn for home here if you haven't had those experiences and you are you're just naturally curious i think you can actually ask some really good questions that if you've had the experience you might not it's like you take it for granted you know, it, in a lot of ways, it just reminds me of this podcast. Like we're talking about a lot of things that um, 
that we take for granted as therapists that we we share this with somebody we share this with somebody and um they're like wait go back what what is that about like what do you mean and we're like wait what this basic thing like wow that's not basic to me explain that um so somebody who doesn't know anything about it can actually ask some really good questions that um you might have taken for granted as a client and not realize actually i didn't realize that there were um gradations of this or um is it really distressing? It's uncomfortable, but it's not really paralyzing. You know, I didn't realize that that was the, I I just thought hallucinations in general were terrible or whatever, but you can actually help me put a lot more definition to it by asking those questions. Well, and the other piece of that is you, you go to learn things, right? When anybody comes in and they say like, I struggle with X, Y, Z, if you feel like you don't really know it, then you go, you start doing research on it and then you start learning from it. That's the thing about us therapists usually we're better researchers than the average Joe because it's what we do. Like we kind of have to do it. So we can a lot of times be more efficient finding stuff than maybe you have been when you're on the, when you're doing your searches on the internet, there's different things, but circling all the way around and kind of concluding this, your therapist is a human. So we're trying to honor that. Right. So on the one hand, what we're ultimately saying to you, I think is, yeah, experience shared experiences um, definitely have have an effect and unshared experiences definitely do too. The big idea behind the behind the punch, so to speak, is your therapist needs to be understanding and insightful and has processed whatever their experience it is in order to be able to be in the room with you. And if they don't have and never had that experience that you've had, then they just have to honestly care and be curious about it. And so with everything, we really hope have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 